Since 2019, Sales Leadership United has grown to become the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. After four years and hundreds of sales leaders later, Sales Leadership United has a new home. Check out www.salesleadershipunited.com and tap into sales leadership tools used by elite leaders worldwide. Accelerate your leadership development. Solve modern sales challenges. Use fully prepped sales meetings in your next team meeting. Thousands of hours of sales leadership materials indexed and searchable with a single click. Create your own personal sales leadership library. Head to salesleadershipunited.com and use the code ROB to get a free trial on me. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. This show features leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. And today marks the launch of the all-new salesleadershipunited.com. Fast-track your sales leadership development. Gain insights to how other sales leaders worldwide are solving challenges similar to the ones you face right now. Over 400 leadership topics, hundreds of video insights, thousands of hours you can learn from, battle-tested leadership frameworks, and new material that comes out every single week. Sales Leadership United is the easiest investment yourself in yourself you'll ever make. Head to salesleadershipunited.com, use the code ROB, and get a free trial on me. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders who are making it happen, and remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. The show has hit a massive milestone in the last week, over 2 million downloads already. It's mind-boggling to me how fast the show is growing and how many sales leaders listen in every single week. It's absolutely bananas to me, and I have each of you to thank for it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for all the DMs. Please keep them coming, and thank you for your ongoing support of the show. I love seeing the growth of our show. I love hearing from so many of you, and I particularly love hearing how the show has been helpful in your career. And today, we're going to do a little more of that. We have another killer guest joining us this week. I am super pumped to welcome Colin Mitchell to the show. I've been working to get Colin on the show for a long time now, and by the time we finish today, I think you're going to understand why. Colin is the VP of Sales at Leadium. Now, Colin and his team help sales teams find prospects, create high-impact outbound, and develop pipelines that companies all around the world can count on. They're an award-winning team that helps teams hit revenue quarter after quarter after quarter. Now, Colin's been involved in sales leadership in a ton of different ways for a long time. He's been around sales his entire career. He helps scale companies now as a founder, as a sales leader, as an advisor, and even as an investor, he started and sold three companies. Right now, he's helping Ledium have tremendous success, and he's helped more companies along the way than I can mention. Now, he also hosts his own awesome podcast, the Sales Transformation Podcast, and he's a fantastic follow on LinkedIn that I highly encourage you to follow. By the time we're done today, you're going to want to get as much of Colin as you can get. Now, I can't wait to get started. I can't wait to dive in. I'm super excited to introduce Colin to all of the 50,000 listeners that are listening today. Colin, 
Welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, and thanks for joining me. Rob, thanks so much for having me, man. I've been looking forward to to this conversation. You know, when we did our prep call, we both uh, hit it off and and planned out some pretty awesome topics for folks today. Going to be fun, dude. And like you said before we started recording, I, I hope that we raise some eyebrows today, right? I hope we raise a few eyebrows today. I mean, yeah. if you don't, you're not doing it right. Amen, baby. Amen. So why don't we start by like giving you a chance to introduce yourself to our, to our listeners. We've got 50,000 people listening all around the world. Tell them about Lidium and what you do for your customers. And then we'll get like, again, at a high level, just into you. Yeah, sure. So Lidium is, you know, really helps customers with two core services. So uh, both top of funnel, right? So inbound lead management. So companies that are getting a tremendous amount of inbound, we all know that, you know, the chances of winning that business go up, you know, significantly. If you can reach out in the first five minutes that inbound comes in. Um, so that's becoming a more popular service for us. And then our traditional, you know, outbound as a service, uh, so full multi-channel outbound, we've launched over a thousand campaigns for different, you know, customers over the time. Um, and you know, the big difference between us and say a lot of other agencies in the space is we really focus on partnerships that are very fruitful and we focus on quality. Um, and from that, you know, we have a proven track record, um, you know, 76 of clients that, you know, were working directly with us or after were acquired, um, our, our clients have raised a total of over like $7 billion and five of them have IPO'd. Congratulations. That's gotta be fun. Yeah, it's fun work. You know, I've always been fascinated with outbound, um, even just from yeah. the very beginning of my sales career, when I, you know, started cold calling in your typical, you know, uh, cubicle, you know, call center type environment. Um, and it's something that I've always, you know, leaned into heavily uh, when growing and scaling companies. So it's, it's definitely a fun ride to see all the different, you know, companies that we're able to do these types of services for. All right. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. We got hopefully a lot of people that might be raising their eyebrows saying, I, I, I need to learn more about that. In fact, I, we'll talk a little bit about outbound today because I, I can't wait to hear your point of view about a little bit of that. Cause I have some thoughts on that one as well. Um, let's talk about you just really quickly. Thanks for the introduction to Ledium and congrats on your success you're having there. You've been around for a, for a bit, man. You've done a lot of things. What, what led you to sales? I always love hearing people's story on what led you to sales because very few people that I've ever met said, I'm going to be in sales when I grow up. I think yeah. that's changing. I hope that's changing, but man, it didn't used to be that way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kids aren't dressing up at school, you know, saying I'm going to grow up and be a salesperson. Right. Um, right. And even just more recently, like now they're starting to have even like college curriculum around sales yep. and stuff. I don't know how good it is, but uh, it's out there. It's happening. And so, you know, in most people, you know, the stories I'm sure you probably hear Rob is like, Hey, I was going to do this thing and didn't work yep. out. So I got into sales or got a degree in this thing that I realized I don't even know what I'm going to do with. So I got a sales job, right? That's kind of the, the typical story. Mine's a little bit different. Uh, I, was actually, I was raised uh, by a single mom, four brothers. We were dirt poor. Uh, literally, you know, food stamps, government cheese, wow. you know, uh, kicked out of our, you know, apartment for not paying the rent, living out of motels, like just really, uh, you know, my wow. mom did, my mom did the best she could. Um, but you know, sometimes we came up short and, uh, my dad was never really around. Uh, so I didn't have a lot of like positive, you know, role models or such in, in my life that were saying, my mom was busy working saying, you know, I needed to go to school or do all these things. So I was a bit of a troubled, you know, young kid. I didn't go to college. Um, and my first job was like lugging around furniture, which, you know, when you're okay. like 
21 or whatever, uh, you know, you don't care too much. You're staying in shape, you're, you know, getting some tips or whatever. But I kind of just realized, hey, if I, you know, keep down this path, like my life is going to look very much like my childhood, especially if I want to have kids. So uh, I, I, you know, ended up getting my first sales job and I really knew that it was my way out. And, uh, you know, I wasn't the most responsible uh, young adult. So even just getting that opportunity was tough. Um, you know, I, and once I did, I knew that I had to make the most out of it. So, uh, when I got that first sales job, I worked my way up to the top in the first 12 months. Um, and you know, that was just, I didn't really have a lot of skill. Um, I was just working hard. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know what else to do other than to just work harder than anybody else. So I was the first one in every day. I was the last one to leave every day. And I came in on the weekends when nobody else was there. Uh, and that got me, you know, so far. And then from there, I really wanted to, you know, have a team and manage people. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the opportunity didn't uh, become available in that first role. So I ended up leaving and then getting my first VP of sales position. Cool. And then the rest is history, as they say, right? Yeah. So from there, um, you know, that VP of sales role, I, I made a lot of mistakes, you know, learning on the job at the expense of the people I was managing, which I don't recommend. Uh, and, but I learned a lot of things, a lot of, you know, I learned some more business acumen. I learned, you know, how to recruit and manage and train people and, you know, in, introduce new products into new markets and such and new industries. Uh, and then from there, my wife and I started our first company together. Um, when we scaled that from zero to 5 million in annual revenue in 26 months. That's such a cool story. I mean, you shared that with me before 26 months to 5 million just the two of you. What a great experience to have. Yeah. That that's that's fantastic. And I'm guessing from there you never looked back, right? Yeah, so you know the interesting thing is, you know, for for whatever reason some, you know, people think like, oh, 5 million kind of sounds like a lot, maybe not really a lot, but that was fully bootstrapped, you know, yeah. all sale, all sales driven, uh no no fancy marketing, you know, no investment, um, you know, and that's a very different animal. Um, when you, when you're operating from that place now, you know, companies, you know, get injected with a bunch of cash and to get to 5 million is, you know, all of your investor buddies and you're there <laughs> sometimes, right. you know, right. so, well said. Um, so from there, uh, then I started another company, uh, that I scaled from zero to, uh, we, zero to 6,000 customers in 18 months. And I sold that business. Um, and then from there I scaled another business. Um, you know, smaller business, small exit, uh, not something that I really love doing, you know, marketing and web development and, and, and you know, apps and stuff like that. Uh, and then from there, I started a B2B content agency, which I scaled to zero to over a million in annual revenue in like 18 months and then exited that uh, about a year ago. Well, you're a growth expert. That's what I love about like you've been around sales, you know how to lead teams, you're doing it now, but you also have learned about growth and growth. I'm going to guess as we dive into this, you're not ever accidentally successful, are you? You're not ever a beneficiary of just being accidentally successful, I would guess. No, I think that, you know, honestly, I think that my, you know, as much as my childhood, a lot of it, I, you know, despised and was embarrassed and ashamed of. Um, I think a lot of that, you know, molded me into the person that I am to, to take on some of these challenges. Um, so after, you know, after I wrapped that up, I was kind of like, hey, I've done the founder thing, you know, quite a bit here. So I took a head of sales position um, at a high growth tech company, um, scaled them, you know, scaled them for for a little bit, 
um, and then uh, more recently joined uh, Ledium uh, as one of the managing partners and VP of sales. Thank you for your background. I, I, you've set the table so nicely for where we're going to go now. You have a really interesting story and I love following the content that you share and you're you're a person who's who who is asked to be on podcasts and other things for a reason. Like the 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 experience that you have is unique, and I can't wait to dive in. So let's let's get after it, shall we? Yeah. Um, you've been working with leaders, teams for a long time. Tons have changed. Like I used to say, it's not your daddy's sales world anymore. Now I can't even say it's not your big sister's sales world anymore. I can't I can't even say that because for those people that are going to watch on Sales Leadership United the video clips. Colin's cracking up right now as I say that. He's got a, a good laugh going right now. Yeah. Um, so while tons has changed, I don't think that the importance of pipeline has changed. What's changed is maybe our approach to it, our mindset around it. We're entering, like as we record this, it's almost half time of the fiscal year 2023. It'll go live in, Jan in July. We're recording it in June. Lots of leaders are going to make halftime adjustments. That's kind yeah. of what happens. Lots of halftime adjustments. So let's start there. We're, we all want to have a strong second half and our pipeline is our lifeline. And as you work with others and as you have helped others and as you've done it yourself multiple times, where do you start if you want to be in this world of growth? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think in order to talk about, you know, where do we start or what do we do? We got to talk a little bit about what's wrong, <laughs> right? Okay. Let's uh, start there. That's great. And, and I think that the, I would say if I were to just say gen, in a general high level, what's wrong with how people are building pipeline today or, you know, outbound programs that people are running, uh, it is they're viewing it from a very activity centric lens. Um, now, I don't know what side of the fence you sit on, Rob, as far as like, hey, should outbound or sales development roll up to sales or marketing, you know, I think that's a debate that's been going on for a while. A long one, man. That's, that's like the Hatfields and the McCoys that's been out for a long time and both sides can make interesting points. I'd love to hear where you're going to take it. Yeah. So I would say if I had to pick one, if I had to, if you said, look, you got to make a choice, I would say marketing and I'll tell you why. And I'm a sales person through and through. Okay. Right. Yeah. And I've also grown companies and scaled multiple companies, you know, through outbound. So you would think that I would say sales, but let me tell you why I say marketing. It's because if you think about outbound, it is none other than an acquisition channel. So it's a way to acquire new customers. And the problem now, personally, I don't care if it rolls up to sales or marketing. I really don't. But if I had to pick one, I would say marketing. And here's why. Because most outbound programs that are ran by sales are ran like very through this activity centric lens. And what I mean is just send more emails, just make more calls, just hire more people, and then we'll get to our number. And that's sort of I love the, this. That's the mentality. And that's what's broken with why, I mean, I can't even tell you how many sales leaders I talked to, Rob, where they don't even know their customer acquisition cost through outbound mm. at all. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so let's know, talk about that. They don't know yeah, if it's I, profitable or not. 
so good, Colin. You're right. So I, I've always said there's two kinds of sales teams, those that take what they want and those that take what they can get. Outbound by definition should be take what you want. That's what it should be. It yeah. shouldn't be just take what you can get. And I'm so glad that we've started here. I think that you're right. One of the things that hasn't changed enough yet is we are still too activity management oriented. And at some point, you can't just say more dials, more dials, more dials. You got to get more better, right? You got to get yeah. more better, not just more active or more busy or more whatever. How do you get more better? And, um, and so I'm glad you went there. And that's really, that might be the best reason I've ever heard for it to be marketing instead of sales. I was really interested to hear where you're going to take it. Because you're right, too many sales leaders are still spreadsheet leaders or or what, what were other terms that we were talking about? Like Dash, uh, the, Dashboard jockeys. Yeah, the dashboard jockeys. Yeah. You're right, we're conditioned that just push the more button, whereas marketing is going to maybe create a bit of an experience for your people. And I'm filling in the blanks for you. I don't know if that's where you're going to take it. and uh, but But that's where my mind went as you said that. So I really, that might be the best reason I've ever heard for that is because- they're not as conditioned to just do more. Now think about it. The way that marketing runs campaigns or acquisition channels, let's talk about paid, right? Paid. They're not going to just throw more dollars at the campaign and hope that it works out, right? Every decision they make is based off data. They're constantly optimizing. I love that you said, hey, we're coming up on this sort of you know, halfway mark and people are going to be trying to, you know, reset and optimize. Yep. Yes, some will, some will. But like, is that really the way to run your sales organization where you're resetting every like quarter? Like you should mm. be analyzing this stuff regularly, A B yes. testing. You should be, you know, making changes and tweaks. Like, you know, I, 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 a good friend of mine, you know, he, he runs one of the largest, you know, one of the largest well-respected, you know, sales consulting agencies in the tech space. Um, and he's like, you, it would blow your mind if you knew how often large, well-known sales teams are actually optimizing their outbound campaigns. It's mind boggling. Once a quarter, you would think, no, maybe once a year, maybe they're not, they're not. Or, mm -hmm. Or even worse, they're really just leaving it up. You know, they're giving the SDR being yeah. against them, like full autonomy to just like, you know, yeah, young, fresh out of college. Hey, you got to be good on LinkedIn and posting content and reaching out there and using video and making cold calls and doing emails. And you got to hit all these activity quotas. And you also got to write good messaging. And it's like, it's, it's unreasonable to expect that one person in a junior sales role is going to be great at all of those things and represent your company well. What do you, what do you, how do you address that? I like where you're going with this. That, that's a really great aha that I think a lot of people will have. And you probably made a lot of people feel both good and stupid at the same time. I feel good that I'm not the only one that's not updating frequently enough. Right. <laughs> but I'm also like, man, Colin's right. Like we should, we should be updating very frequently. Like that should be part of our cadence of, are we measuring what's working? Are we, that's why I always have said like conversion and success metrics are more important than activity metrics to me every yes. single time. And so yeah. maybe, maybe we'll get to there, but, but what would you say? Maybe that's what you would say. So given that, if that's the lay of the land, 
and you got a lot of people saying, geez, Colin, you've made me feel like at least I'm not alone, but I, but I also want to be better. Where do we take that? Where, yeah. where, where, where do we go with that? So a good, a good outbound, you know, a good outbound, uh, you know, let's call it a strategy consists of, of a strategy, right. Um, you know, executing data in a very specific way, uh, you know, well-defined messaging, proper technology, execution, and then really analyzing analytics regularly for optimization. If, if that's just high level, that's what a good outbound program looks like. But also, I mean, I'll tell you a little bit of how we just, you know, how we run campaigns for folks. And, you know, this can be done. Doesn't You don't have to outsource it. You can do this in-house, right? Um, is, is we actually, one solution that we found to be very effective is specialized roles. So what that means is rather than an SDR having to be good at all these different areas, they specialize in one specific area of execution. So callers only call. Social sellers only social sell. Video people only do video. Uh, and then email handlers only do email. And so you can break it up into these roles. Because if you think about it, most the, the problem with a lot of, um, you know, outbound organization, company, you know, organizations that have, you know, in-house outbound teams is that you have your SDRs and they're typically good at one or two, maybe two of all the things that you expect them to do. So why yeah. not? So why not lean into that? Right. Um, and, and the other thing is, is that uh, they become very good at those channels if that's all they're doing. Totally makes sense. Is that, I wonder if that makes people scared at first. Like, can I afford to do that? Like, can we talk about that? Like, can I afford to really have only callers or only like, how do I structure that? I'm going to guess you're going to say you can't afford not to, or something along those lines, but, but like, is that a common question when you hear that? Can I afford to do it that way? Well, the alternative is the, 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 the alternative is you have a bunch of people, you know, that, are in this more mentality, right? Hey, we need more calls, more activity, more people. So if you look at a lot of, you know, when, when a lot of these layoffs started happening, you know, those roles were the first ones to go because they were overstaffed to hit, you know, these activities to hit these, you know, revenue numbers. So, I mean, think if we go back to the marketing, you know, uh, lens here for a second, if we're going to really view outbound, uh, as a as a marketing initiative, you don't have one person doing copywriting and search engine optimization and mm. paid ads. They have specialized roles to break all of these things out, uh, and that's the way that it can be done with sales too. Really, really, it's a really interesting way of looking at it. So, when you do that, any advice to a bunch of listeners that are going to be saying, "Okay, I want to do that," like. Any advice on how you start like that? Like, how do you like start in the shallow end of the pool before you go to the deep end of the pool? Or do you just say, go to the deep end of the pool? Any advice for a bunch of people that say, if you want to try this, here's some ways you can test it. Yeah, it, it starts with a totally different way of thinking, right? All right let's talk about and, that. And so if you can get on board with, hey, this is a marketing initiative, 
And here's how marketing rolls out initiatives, right? They have a sound strategy, setting proper goals and expectations, defining what success is and isn't, and maybe having a bit of a hypothesis of who to target with what message and what timing on what channels, right? That's kind of a, you know, a, a quick and dirty, you know, strategy. Um, and that's the way you can look at this. And then, you know, then from there, you got to have good data, right? I mean, like data is so accessible today. Uh, you know, if you're not using good data, I'm talking about, you know, looking for not just the basic stuff, like within your ICP or personas of getting their title and industry and size and revenue and email and phone and socials, like that's basic, that's table stakes. I'm yeah. talking about triggers, job openings, funding rounds, technographics, meaning like what are they using, what CRM, what web technologies, uh, using psychographics, like their personality insights, you know, using AI to find different things on social news, Google website, geography for personalization. Then you bring your, you know, persona profiles of pain points, all of that data that you now have on that person you can now actually personalize at scale, which I know some people are like, you can't personalize at scale. We do it all the time. Our messages that we send out through sequencing are so personalized based on what we know about the person. Every message is different when you're using all these and if and variable statements. Wow. So that seems like a couple of good places to start. Would you would you pick like one segment or one persona or something like that and, and try this specialized approach just to, to start to dabble or, or, or is it, is it, is it more to it than that? I think that um, it it's, if you're trying, if you're thinking, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, how the heck am I going to pull this off? Right. Which is where yeah. I think you're trying to go. With yeah. This. That's where I'm um, going. Exactly where yeah. I'm going. A lot of this can be done with proper data and good tech, right? And then you just need people to execute on these particular tasks. So maybe take one of your strongest callers and say, hey, you 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 crush it on cold calls. You're awesome at cold calls. We all know you're not that great on email, but you're great on cold calls, right? So yeah. what if you could just do what you're great at all the time? Like people do their best work when they're constantly getting wins, right? I mean- People that are great callers, a lot of times suck at email. And so if you're forcing them with these activity, email activity metrics, and they're not ever winning on email, they get frustrated and they're not going to be showing up as the, their best selves in the work. So find different people that are strong in these different areas. Like you might have one person on your team that just crushes it on personalized videos. They're maybe good on camera. They're comfortable, confident. They love doing personalized videos. It's how they book, you know, 75% of their meetings, but they still have to put in this time of cold calls and emails because of the activity quota that is, you know, uh, that they're required to meet. Take that person. That's your video person, right? So you find these people that are strong at these certain areas. There's your specialized team. Love like it. It's not that complicated. It takes some very strategic so thinking, having good so tech good. and data, and then putting the right people in the right places. Colin, I love how you simplified it. You took a really interesting idea and you just broke it down to something that everyone can do. I, I think in your next, you could like, I love this. In your next one-on-one, -on -one, double down on what are they best at? And let's double down on those. Let's just 
emphasize that. So I guess that would be the next thing on that we would we would dive to on this is we kind of alluded to this. We mentioned use of metrics. I think too many people use metrics to report the past rather than try and predict the future. And I think that there's activity metrics, which I don't, I think those are overused. Sounds like you do as well. Let's talk about those conversion metrics because you were like pretty enthusiastic about that about five minutes ago. Like, can you talk a little bit about how you can use those to accomplish something like this to build better, more, you know, better pipelines than we can count on? Because I think part of why forecast accuracy continues to be so bad is what you said. You got bad data based on if you're playing stupid games, you're going to win stupid prizes, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, just tracking activity alone is, is terrible because it doesn't tell it doesn't tell the full story, right? Uh, there's some false positives in there, and and you know, uh, people tracking like it drives me nuts when people talk about like open rates and reply rates as if they mean anything. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we you got to get open, you got to get a reply, you know, to get a meeting. We we get that. Um, but you know, people wear their open rates and their reply rates, like a badge of honor, as if like that means anything, like the only thing that matters is revenue. Right. And so there's, there's different conversion points, you know, throughout your entire sales funnel, there's conversion metrics and outbound there's conversion metrics, you know, at discovery, at demo, at proposal, at negotiation, those are the things that matter most. And so if you have a well-defined sales process, and, and, and I hope it's not defined by, you know, discovery meeting, demo meeting, proposal, like just you know, like- Let's talk about that. How would you describe it? Because I think that's a really common, like you mentioned, like this is something I see all the time. I see sales processes that have the weirdest, like, I'm like, why is that? a milestone. Can you talk about what it should look like? So you should have different stages from start yep. to finish, right? Map that out. And at each stage, the the, the part that's important, and this is going to be different depending on who you sell to, what you sell, length of your sales cycles, right? So there's no like, hey, here's one size fits all, right? Define your sales stages, the key important thing is, regardless of how long it is or what those stages look like, is having clear, well-defined, well-understood exit criteria. And so what that means is you cannot get from stage one to stage two until these things happen. Meaning maybe I know these things about you, about the problem that you have, you know, what it's costing you to solve or not solve it. You can't get to stage two until that happens. If I don't know those things, you can't get to stage two. Um, Let me tell or, you my thought on that. Let's sit in that for a second. Cause I have a thought on that because this is a very common challenge. I, I work with uh, one of the sales leaders I work with. You, you would, you'd feel like I, I, if I was to tell you more about this, you'd, you'd laugh and then you'd cry. Um, this person was brought into a company with the thought that this person would be able to help build a meaningful process. C-level revenue position, and this person had never built a process before. And so I was asking and working through this initiative questions that you, you've already alluded to, like, what's the purpose? What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. Like, you, you mentioned exit criteria. I, I like to call them verifiers because I say for each stage, what's the mission? I want a mission mentality. What's the mission here? And then what's the proof of mission accomplished? The reason I call them verifiers, 
I've seen sometimes, I want to get your take on this. Sometimes a rep will say, I got that exit criteria criteria because I did this. I found that the best one is when you get something like physically from a customer, like they respond to this or they give you that. So you can say, here's the verification of mission accomplished rather than the rep saying, oh yeah, I did that. Mm-hmm. Thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Yeah, I, I think that it's it's easier. It's 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 harder to fake it, <laughs> right? Right. Like, hey, I'm not saying salespeople aren't always honest, but salespeople aren't always honest. <laughs> True. You know, and 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 leadership is also part of the problem, right? Because like it's been it's it's been okay for sales teams to put all of this garbage in the pipeline that doesn't belong there. It's like, yes. hey, I, got, I got to meet my, I mean, um, I've got to meet my, you know, pipeline quota, you know, and most teams are operating at like the fact that you need five or six X pipeline to meet your number, which kind of sets the expectation that like losing deals way more often than I win is, is okay. Like that's, that's the norm. Um, and it didn't used to always be that way. Like I, I've been around a while. I haven't been around that long. Um, but I was talking with, you know, Andy Paul the other day, um, okay. and, he, and he was, you know, he was saying, Hey, if you, if you, you were expected to close 80% of what was in your pipeline, you know, if you were closing 50% of what was in your pipeline, you know, you, you were, you were probably on PIP. Like there was a problem you know, and now, you know, has salespeople, have sales organizations gotten soft? Because I talked to a lot of folks where it's like, they're totally okay with closing 20%, you know, 30%. And they're like, think they're crushing it. And the problem is, is letting too much stuff in the pipeline that doesn't belong there. So when you have so good, well-defined sales stages with these, you know, qualifiers uh, that you mentioned, Rob, this doesn't happen. Now, the big benefit is, the big benefit, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this too, Rob, is, is when you build it this way, you then have a very clear picture of where reps need help. Because yes. they're not getting yes. deals from this stage to that stage. They're not meeting these qualifiers. Um, you start to see what they, let's just call it what it is, suck at and need help with. Yes. I, I agree with that. That's, that's the very best way to have coaching work. I think yeah. I, I don't like activity-based coaching. I just don't because it's too easy to have it be, you got the, you got the numbers. I don't need to report anything to you. And it, it makes coaching be about, it only is there for people who are underperformers, which is maybe one of the biggest leadership mistakes we can make is saving coaching for underperformers. And what I love about what you just said I think that the ultimate metric is win rate. Okay. There's a, there's a, there's an article that was written by Jim Dickey. I don't know if you know, Jim, Jim's a good friend. Um, He looked at the average conversion rate in the NFL in the red zone last year was 54%. So 54% of the time they score when they get to the 20 yard line. Yeah. The team that won the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs, had the highest at 71%. They were the best at converting, that conversion rate. Yeah. The team that played them in the Super Bowl, the second best team was the Philadelphia Eagles at 69%. Yeah. And the goal isn't to play more games or have more activities. The goal is to win more when you're in, the, when the, in that red zone. Yeah. So I love that way of thinking. So for every stage, how do you win the stage? How do you get yeah. that verified? 
Get that yeah. verifier, win the stage, get to the next one, win the stage, get to the next one. Yeah. And that's what coaching should be about. It shouldn't be, let's get more active. Let's get more busy. Yeah. It's, can we get more better? Yeah. Yeah. If, because you can accept my Idaho farm boy language there. Yeah. Be, <laughs> because if you think about it, most teams aren't even tracking um, win rate properly. Right? No. And it's like, hey, hardly anybody knows it. Yeah. Only hardly uh, anybody and, knows it. And the way that you're describing it, which I love, um, and Andy and I were talking about this as well, is 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 you have a win and loss rate at every stage. Yes, that's right. right? And then it goes even deeper because it's not just, hey, did we win and lose at these stages? Um, you know, who are we winning with more often and why? Right. So, like, are we you know, doing better in SMB with these particular industries, maybe they have better deal velocity, you know, everybody wants the big deals, the big enterprise deals, but like, are you losing most of the time? There's a reason for that, right? So you start to have more of a clear picture of, of, of now where the activity should be spent because you're properly tracking win and loss yes. rate at each stage with a well-defined yes you know, uh, mapped yes. out sales process by stage. And then you can show what good looks like and you can look at, you know, use of tools and all kinds of different things. Then you can get really specific on going from average to awesome at that specific deal. And now you're creating competencies and I don't care who you are. We need to always be on that journey of what's next, right? Uh, I don't think being old has anything to do with your age. I think it has everything to do with getting stale. And, um, and I love how you brought this up that there's an old way of looking at things. I've said before 2012 called and they want their activity management system back. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so this is so cool. Colin, you got me fired up. Yeah. yeah. Cause, cause if you think about it, you don't care how much, you know, you don't care how much activity your rep puts in. You care how often they win at every stage of the sales process. That's what you yes. care about. Yes. And so for a lot of reps, that means spent that a, a lot of reps, that means spending more time with less people. Like that gets the job done for a lot of people. Um, for other, you know, more transactional type reps, it means, it means the opposite. So, you know, how the job gets done uh, doesn't necessarily matter as much or on what channel or whatever the case is. So yeah, you got to throw this, this old, you know, activity metric way of thinking, you know, out the window. Yeah. And I'm glad you said it. In fact, we got to work that into the title of this episode somehow, because I think this is a message that people need to hear. I want to spend, I can't believe calling how fast our time went. We're down to our last 10 minutes, brother. And um, there's a couple of things we haven't hit, but I, I like where we are so much. I think we should just simmer in this for a little longer and Maybe if I, if I twist your arm enough, you'll come back in a few months and we try to have a round two, okay? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about what you just talked about. We have to move past activity management only. We have to learn about winning the stage and looking at it this way. And, and I think it's a totally different way of looking at it. I think it's the way the elite leaders do it, okay? But I think so few sales leaders get taught what good looks like from the leadership side. Like we do a good job teaching reps how to do things. But when you get promoted to be a leader, we just say, figure it out. I think that's part of why this old way of doing things has survived as long as it has. Because people often just do what was done to them. 
Would you be willing to talk a little bit about like, how do we innovate as sales leaders around this? Like you've given some killer, killer things. And I think there's a lot of people who are going to want to connect to you. You've given, like, you've got me wanting to go out and sell something right now, but from <laughs> our conversation. Okay. Um, any advice on how, where should we innovate? Like, how do we break away from what was done to us or this obsession with activities? Is, is there any advice you could give to listeners? Because I think that would be really helpful. Yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to the, it comes down to the culture of the organization a little bit, right? Like, are they innovative? You know, are they, you know, are they all just kind of this, Hey, that's how we've always done the job type of thinking. Um, you know, so having, having, you know, really encouraging more of a growth mindset, you know, throughout the organization, I think is key to having a team, you know, that's willing to try new things that are, you know, probably sound very risky, very, very mm. risky. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, like we, we're, we're, we are doing things exactly how, you know, you and Rob are talking about is not the way it should be doing, but, you know, I don't know how I could get buy-in to do it differently. And so, you know, part of it is comes from the top and just culturally, you know, the, the organization that you're in, um, but I think that the, the main thing is you, you always have to be learning as a leader. And I'd say the big problem is you're right. A lot of leadership, you know, people are, were, you know, top performers, which yeah, that's a whole nother podcast topic we could get into, but I won't. Um, we know there's a lot of problems <laughs> because of that, but then that's that type of thing. It was, Hey, this is how I did the job. So this is how you should do the job. Um, and ultimately a lot of organizations aren't investing in their leaders that much, right. Uh, especially sure. like frontline managers and stuff. So, uh, and a lot of times they're like, you know, they're, they're overworked in a lot of different directions where they don't even have a lot of time to try test new things or, you know, develop, uh, as leaders. So I like what you just said. I'm going to put a, a label on it. You just got to prioritize it, right. Create a little innovation time for yourself and, in fact, one of my favorite things that some of my clients do is they create, like, I think one of the things that we have to be intentional about is creating leadership capacity, because you said it so beautifully, uh, Colin, we're asked to do so many things. We ask our leaders to be involved and do so, we're stretched so thin, we're often firefighters instead of captains, right? Yep. And one of the things that I like to help leaders do is we pick what they call a capacity day or whatever you want to call it. And so it's like going to be like, what do I do different? Can I reflect? Can I, one of my guys, like he, he only takes demos from vendors on this day and he's not even looking to buy. He, he has people helping him find, like go find people in these categories so I can see, even though I don't want to buy, I want to see what's happening so I can be up to speed on it. Being intentional and prioritizing your own learning. I loved how you said you got to never stop lead, learning because if you stop learning, you'll stop innovating. And I think it's as simple as prioritize it yeah. Put it on your schedule. And if it's an hour here or a half day there or whatever it is, you'll benefit from it. Any thoughts around that? I, I think that, I think that um, the key is yes, it needs to be a priority. Um, and for a lot of organizations, it's actually pretty unfortunate that it's not. And I think for leaders, you got to actually, and this might be a hard pill to swallow is, Hey, if it's not a priority, it might not be the best place for you. Ooh, 
Say that one more time. That's a good nugget right there. Say that one more time. So if, if, if investing in you as a leader, right. And, and, and giving you time and space to develop, you know, cause you're a person that's, you know, responsible for other people. Right. And this is, you know, their lives, their family, their careers, you know, I mean, it's a pretty hefty responsibility if you think about it. And I don't think a lot of people take it, you know, some do, but, but many don't take it that seriously. And so if you're working for an organization that doesn't value that, doesn't prioritize these things that, you know, Rob was mentioning, it might not be the best place for you. So, you know, brush, you know, brush the dust off your resume, call the recruiter and start finding somewhere that does value that. All right. We're going to, we got five minutes left. I want to go first to giving you as much time as we need to, to have them connect to you, get more of you, learn more about you and Ledium and everything else. And then I want to give you the last few minutes, just put a bow on what we've talked about, kind of open night at the improv with Colin Mitchell. Okay. And uh, so, so how do they get more of you? How I, I, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who want to connect. There's going to be people who have questions that we didn't talk about, that they're going to want to get into you. Uh, with like, how do they get more Colin? Yeah. Uh, simple. I mean, look, it takes a lot of work to put on a good quality podcast like this. And, and Rob's done a fantastic job. Uh, so first thing you want to do before you connect with me is just like, make sure you subscribe to the show, write a review, share it with your friends. That is the best way you can show your gratitude uh, mm. for, for Rob here. And then if you're just like a podcast junkie, kind of like myself, uh, you can check out Sales Transformation. We drop daily sales content, 10 minutes or less to transform the way you sell on all your favorite podcast apps. From there, you can find me, connect with me on LinkedIn or, or any of those other places. Um, so so that's... Now, to wrap things up here, I, I think that... Hold on before you yeah. do it. Before you do it. I will put all of those links in the show notes. So if you're listening right now, just look in the show notes. <clears throat> we'll have his podcast. We will have his LinkedIn We'll have whatever it is that uh, you want in there, Colin. Make sure you look at those links and you hit Colin because I'm telling you, I enjoy following what he does and listening to what he does. So thank you, Colin. So let's, now that we've made sure that everybody knows how to find you, we've got a few minutes. We've got like three minutes-ish. We've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about mindset. We've talked about priorities. We've talked about impact instead of effort, right? There's a lot of things we've talked about. If you're to wrap this up and summarize what we've talked about into a nugget, or two for our, our listeners, where would you put it? I think a lot of, if, if you had to, if you had to kind of sum up everything that we've talked about today, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with, you know, making major changes. Like there's a lot of things that aren't working and often people make small little tweaks here and there. And ultimately they don't move the needle much. And so if things are not working, like, don't be scared to shake it up and like rip it down and rebuild it into something that's much better. And so whatever that is, if it's your outbound campaign or the way you're managing people or the way your, you know, your sales process is defined or, you know, all of these things that we talked about, um, if what you have in any of these areas of your sales organization are not working, don't be scared to rip it down, shake it up and rebuild it. And, you know, what do you have to lose? Like, be willing to take risks, you know, big, big risks will reap big rewards. That's awesome. Colin, this was even better than I thought it would be, brother. Uh, this 45 minutes flew by. I mean, it flew by. 
And uh, and so I think I know what the title is now. Don't be afraid to shake it up, bro. That's I like how the way you did that. Don't be afraid to shake it up. There's one thing I got from that. I hope all of our listeners get. Do not be afraid to shake things up. Do not be afraid to put your thumbprint on it. In fact, if you're not, you might be. Let's channel channel a little Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy. You might be falling behind if you haven't. Is that a fair way to, to end? Definitely. Okay, his name is Colin Mitchell. He's helping sales leaders all around the world learn to have confidence in how they shake things up. Have impact instead of effort. Win instead of play. And, and have more fulfillment in what you do and create life-changing years for the people that you lead. My advice, connect to Colin. Uh, my advice, follow his podcast. Uh, check out what he has to offer. There's a reason I follow him. There's a reason I've tried for a year to get him on this show. And I'm Colin, thank you for making it happen. I hope we can make it happen again sometime sooner than a couple of years from now. And, uh, and, as I, and as I say to everybody, brother, happy selling. Hey, everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this episode is brought to you by the new and improved Sales Leadership United. I could not be more excited about this. Since 2019, Sales Leadership United has lived on Patreon and it has grown to be the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. I could not be more excited to announce that Sales Leadership United has now grown up and it has its own home, www.salesleadershipunited.com. We have moved off of Patreon and you can find us at salesleadershipunited.com. When you get there, you're going to find 460 some odd sales topics. You're going to find leadership topics, hundreds of leadership videos, 50 sales meetings you can use right now, hundreds of audio files. Thousands of hours of tools, frameworks, trainings, techniques, and insights that are used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world. Sales Leadership United now is easier to use and something leaders turn to every single day. That's why I'm so excited to announce Sales Leadership United's new release. With a simple search, you can find leadership resources on any sales leadership topic you'll need. There's a lot of reasons this is going to help you. It'll help you intentionally accelerate your leadership development with courses designed to help you develop new competencies, gain insights from others walking in the shoes you're walking in now, and access approaches to sales leadership challenges that others are working on at the very same time as you. Another one is you can solve leadership challenges you're facing right now. We're going to give you video insights with people like Colin and other leaders from all around the world that talk about how they are working on the same challenges you may be up against. You can stop scrambling the night before a sales meeting wondering what to do and you can use any of the 50 sales meetings we have ready for you to drop into your own template and use at the drop of a hat. But maybe my favorite you can build your very own leadership library that you can use for the rest of your career. It will give you one place where you can start having all of your favorites in a number of different categories and build a library that will fuel success for you no matter where you go. You're gonna be able to tap into resources from many of the world's best sales leaders that are included with your Sales Leadership United subscription as well. A lot of leaders from all around the world are, are asking me to include their resources here so they can be tagged and searchable and findable by you. And if there's one thing that I've learned, we need to be intentional about our growth and our development. 
And that can be challenging. It takes intentionality and prioritization to keep yourself fresh, modern, and current so you can stay relevant and have impact. So go check out the new and improved Sales Leadership United at salesleadershipunited.com. Membership is less than the cost of lunch, less than the cost of a movie ticket, less than the cost of your monthly Netflix subscription. Use the link in the show notes and then find out what the largest collection of sales leadership assets can do for you when you check out Sales Leadership United today. I'm even going to give you a code where you can get a free trial. Now, Colin, I'm a huge fan of Colin Mitchell, and I've been for a long time. I hope this conversation converted you to this Colin Mitchell fan club as well, because Colin is a growth expert. And I think that's our primary role as a sales leader, to help people on our team grow and improve. And this can be a tricky thing. In fact, most sales leaders never achieve elite status at this for so many reasons. And if you're using, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you're here because you are working to intentionally improve as a leader. And Colin gave us so many great places to start. He gave us a blueprint that I think you can't afford not to pay attention to. A couple things really stood out to me. The first is starting by changing how we think. The whole conversation about thinking and strategizing I thought was awesome, epic, super important. Listen, I meet leaders every day of every week who are working so hard that they don't even have the time to think. And this is a massive problem because improvement should be intentional, never accidental. I love the suggestion of starting by doubling down in areas that they have strength, doing more of what they are already good at, and from there, picking very specific skills for the individual. But it starts with you. Create culture and an environment of learning and innovation as a leader. And that means, that means you should always be learning. You got to create that culture starting with you. You got to always be growing. You got to be avoiding the status quo. Because I've said it before, I'll say it again. We are asked to create the best year in company history every single year. And that means we got to be better as a leader and our reps got to get better at what they do. Because at some point, we got to choose growth, not the grind. And that's why I believe that one of the most powerful things Colin said came at the very end when he said, if investing in you isn't a priority, it might be time to move on. So I hope you take him seriously and you choose to prioritize your own development. That will give you the credibility you need to prioritize the development of those you lead. So let's do what Colin said and put an end to spreadsheet coaching. Listen, painting by numbers has its place, but the days of leading and coaching only by the numbers have no place in the modern leadership world. Now, of course, data and numbers are important. I don't want you to take from me that I'm saying that data is unimportant. Far from it. Numbers rarely lie, but they also never tell the entire story. And none of your reps want to be reduced down to some numbers on a spreadsheet and a position in the stack ranking. And Colin shared critical insight around how data and numbers should serve as a conversation starter and guardrails, and that's about it. So follow his, follow his advice, and don't be afraid to shake things up. Innovate, iterate, and never, and I mean ever, stop chasing. There's a reason that I wanted this episode with Colin to coincide the launch of Sales Leadership United. So Colin, thank you so much for joining me. Congratulations on the success you've had. My advice is to reach out to Colin, to follow him. Check out his podcast. Listen, I'm a loyal listener. I can tell you his show is worth following. But connect with him and utilize the resources he shares because they are all difference makers and you'll be glad you did. 
I've got links in our show notes to make this easy to do. And trust me, you'll be glad to be connected with Colin. Finally, thanks to each of your listeners. The greatest compliment you can give is to share the show with those you work with. Please, please, please introduce them to the Sales Leadership Podcast. And be sure to check out the new and improved Sales Leadership United. I'll have video snippets of my conversation with Colin and other sales leaders there for you to check out. And to thank you for your support of the show and Sales Leadership United, please take a free trial of Sales Leadership United on me. Head to salesleadershipunited.com and use the code ROB, that's R-O-B, to get a free test drive of the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. And if you like today's message, please share it with someone who needs to hear it. And then get after it this week, because life is short. There's no guarantee of what comes tomorrow. Maximize what you do today. Be elite, live strong, chase your passions, and do your best work so you can live your best life. And don't ever forget, you got this and I got you. Have a terrific week. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.